Good morning. We left off with the Petira of Menashe and the burial, and his son Amon takes the throne, unfortunately not for very long, and won't accomplish much, as he's going to be assassinated. The question is, by whom? Take a look. Malachim Bey's Perek Chaf Aleph. Let's go back to Pasuk Yudches. Perechaf Aleph, Pasuk Yudches. There are two copies you should have. Some of Hashem suggest that Menashe, despite the fact that he had been doing tshuva for 33 years, at least on Avodah did not want to be buried with the Kivre Malachim and the Kivre Tzadikim, and it's quite possible that the Chavah Gadisha there in charge and had a tight grip didn't want him there either. Uh, he felt uncomfortable and unworthy next to his predecessors and for Good reason, according to either shita, the shita that he went to Elam Haba still wasn't as great as they were, and the shita that the tshuva didn't make the mark, then certainly so. With that said, we still have the medrash that Menashe was accepted, and not only that's the Gemara, one sheet in the Gemara, the medrash that says that he is the head of that special chamber for Bali tshuva, which is quite a distinction. Means king for two years. So again, you have to fit every remez into both shitas. The shita that holds that he tried to do tshuva, but it didn't really get that far. It didn't make its mark either because he didn't do tshuva in the ritzicha couldn't do the jam and damage, didn't try hard enough, whatever the pshat is, uh, the Pasuk says, Kasher Asa Aviv. Sounds like it ended that way. Going to the other opinion, Menashe did get his alam haba, perhaps even the head of that chamber. It's Kasher Asa Menashe Aviv, like his father Menashe did the first half of his reign, first 22 years. Still, why mention it? Kasher Asa Menashe Aviv, if he did tshuva, usually erase the past. And we don't talk about that part. Still made a Roshim enough that the first half of the uh, Malucha was remembered well by the people who wanted to do the wrong thing. The Pella is, is that uh, he was young and Esam Vashtayim Shana, 22 years old. Menashe had done tshuva for 33 years. That means when he was born, Menashe was in tshuva mode. He never personally witnessed any of the shenanigans. The answer is he did, because either Menashe was still doing some of them in other categories of Averis, perhaps not active of Avodah and B, there were enough of the cabinet members and plenty of the people who 
We're still with the first program. And unfortunately, Alman had much to learn from. And I uh, didn't pick up any of the stance uh, that his father in the latter part of his reign had. His father and the people he was hopefully doing tshuva with. Again, either refers to the first half or the part of the second half that he didn't do in terms of the tshuva with enough uh, zrizas and alacrity and uh, didn't make enough of a ration. You have to read this into every possibility, but whatever it was, Amun wasn't doing very well. Okay, that already, if we're talking Ramazan, maybe in the other direction. Vayazav. Vayazav means you had to have been somewhere and you left. So perhaps that's an allusion to the fact that his father was doing tshuva. His father did accomplish a lot in his tshuva and he gave him somewhat of an education as a positive starting point. And Vayazav. And he chose and to go with the many bad examples that he saw as he was growing up. Whatever it was, whoever, the, uh, whoever should take the blame and whoever the blame should, should be, it didn't last long, and his men, his avodim, it's hard to know when it says avodim in Tanakh, we picture Avadim as the slaves in the uh, deep south. Avadim is a subject of the king. Could mean the people in the palace who were cleaning up. It could be his cabinet members. Could be a mixture of both. The Ikshu Avde Amon Olov. They plotted against him and succeeded the Amisu as Hamelach Bebesai, and he was assassinated. Two years. Now you would think possibly that these people were the good guys. It's hard to figure out who the good guys are. <laughs> the bad guys are sometimes in Tanakh. Amon Pasuk says quite clearly he wasn't on the positive side. Who were these people who killed him? Were these people who couldn't stand it anymore? Manasha did tshuva and they're on the upswing and what's the matter with you? And how dare you? And we're getting rid of you. This is a from kingdom. That would be great and maybe even possible. It's hard to know because the Farshim point out that if you look carefully in the next few prokim, even when Yoshio HaMelech has chosen the Tzadik Yisrael Elam at eight years old, it's very clear, and when we get there, I'll point it out, very clear the Sanhedrin and the Gedalia Adar already decided they're not getting involved, which is unique to say the least. Why would they do that? The answer is, is that if there are people who are not listening, like most of them, and the decisions that are supposed to be made based on das terror are not being followed. Sometimes mutushu shaykin value mezidin is better. They shouldn't get involved because it's not getting done anyway. Just let the hamanam do what they see fit. Which, on a level of the uh, yechidim, which even at the worst of times numbered many, want to do the right thing, the Das Terah was still there, Sanhedrin was still there, there were still people passing Shailus, there were still people who, if they wanted to do the right thing, that whom to ask, and there were plenty of people going in that direction, Baruch Hashem, which is again why we're sitting here, because there were enough people doing the right thing. With that said, for the government decisions, uh, there's a point where 
if things are done in a way where Rishayim are ultimately ruling, it's almost better that in a public forum the Meshech Yedehem and not be involved, as otherwise people are going to say that uh, Sadiqim agreed. Yeah. There, we wouldn't have a Navi Shia if we didn't have anything to figure out ourselves. Uh, <laughs> uh, you would think, you would think, you got to know who's who, right? Well, I, the reason I'm being, uh, the reason I'm being ambiguous is because the Mufarshim uh, figure this out based on Ramazim only, and the, the Navi doesn't give many, many details that we're able to figure out ourselves, and we are able to figure it out, because the Ramazim I just mentioned to you about the uh, conscious omission, almost, of which Sadiqim might have been involved in this coup, answers your question. We know, we've had already, the last couple of years in this Navishir, we've had great Sadiqim get involved, Kainam Gedalim, in getting rid of the wrong people. One famous case, the wrong lady. And it was quite clear who was behind it, and he was at Sadiqa Sadalim, and he did all the right things, and they appointed a king, and it was Gavaldik. And uh, there are many cases of uh, such coups where they were either carried out or backed by tzaddikim, or the Navi went and told the next king, you're it, and Hashem wants you to do this. And that's great. And it was done, it was done well. We, most of the cases are like that. The fact that it doesn't say over here, and this became the royal we, literally and figuratively, so... That just leaves us with the distinct impression that uh, this wasn't sanctioned by the top, wasn't brought up by the top, and they didn't get involved because it's just going to look like they're giving Hesher Stample, and they don't think it's going to come out with anything good. It happens to be the very positive news will be soon is that the Amaratzim, Yidin, even without this particular direction, happened to have had the Siat Shemaya that uh, Yeshio is going to become the next king. And he's going to be from the best of them. But that's because Akash Baruch Hu is still taking care of Klai Yisrael. And even though we're rolling toward the Chorban, there needs to be enough of an uptick to get there with enough tzaddikim, as we explained many, many weeks ago. So the beauty of this is, even though they felt they couldn't get directly involved, the Yad Hashem will direct Klai Yisrael to the next king, who's going to be only eight years old when he takes the throne. Um, the next Pusik is another Ramesis. Let me just read one more. Notice the words Amharitz. The word Amharitz today is even used in a more derogatory as as should be. Amharitz is a person who um, is just basically tied to his land. A farmer, nothing wrong with being a farmer. It could be a big mitzvah, especially in Israel, Chumas and Mises and Shemitah. But if that's all you're doing and your shame on earth is just an Amharitz, then that's why it became the expression. The person's not interested in rising above what he has to do for a living. Yach Amaret says, al And then the people caught the perpetrators, who shall remain nameless. They had a strong allegiance to Malchus Bez David, and they felt whether they liked Amun or not, Probably not, because he didn't do much, and he was just doing Avodah Zarah. And you like him, you don't like him, you don't assassinate him. Assassination is not good for any government, especially if it becomes a habit. 
and they punished the people who did that because and they put Yoshio, despite his very tender age, on the throne. We'll discuss in a moment. Can you have a king that's eight years old? You know, a king is a din, is a chalais melech. He's not even bar mitzvah. We've had it before, speaking of Kain and Gedalim, but he had a regent who was a big tzaddik. Here, again, there's no name that says they put him, he's eight years old, and they're going to have the tzaddik who said, let him train him. We're already almost a bit in, uh, I can't say hest upon him, because uh, Yeshaya Novi and Yermia on the scene, Baruch Hashem, as will be Cholda and other great tzaddikim and tzaddikim. So it's not uh, hest upon him as we know it today, but it's almost a bit in free fall because of the Averis being done. They're not directly involved until they see in which direction it might go. Uh, the incredible uh, positive news will be that Yeshio will be up there with the five or six Malchai Tzadikim of all times from Malchai Yehuda. But it doesn't start off that way because he's only eight years old and his father was Amun. So, what? There is no other option. That's why this happened. They didn't stop it either, by the way. I said they weren't actively involved. They didn't say, can't do this, he has a right to become the king. We're going to see soon one of your copies. Rabbi Yankov has a discussion about the din of an eight-year-old under Bar Mitzvah, and he's paskening dinim, he's running the country. What take of does that din have? He's not high for mitzvahs yet, so that's going to be an interesting discussion. But first, just to get the whatever we know of the story... Yeah, but he had a... Um, we know the regent that was in charge here. So you're making a decision on this only person. It says, Yach Amar, it says Clearly, I mean, if it wasn't clear before David, you see, so you, you want to know why didn't mention the names? It's pretty clear from the Pesukim. They didn't really ask before they got rid of him, and I might have been saying it was the wrong thing. You guys have been screaming and yelling for years now. Every time it's a Melech Russia, why don't they kill him? So they did it. I don't know what the motive was. I don't know if it was personal, political, or because he was a Russia and they were angry because Manasha did Shuvah for 33 years and now you're turning the clock back, which is wonderful if that were the case. And it might have been the case, but the Sanhedrin, the official leaders who were still leading for those who wanted to listen, felt at this point it was better not to be directly involved. Uh, later on, by Yashani, in the time of Hordus and much of the reign of Yanai, uh, they're not even going to make a conscious decision, but the de facto um, leader, even though he's not supposed to be on the throne, is Hordus and Krishma, is Hordus and uh, Yanai and Chevra uh, like that. They killed Tamil Chamim day and night, unfortunately, so nobody can really show up to even lead. The people, Lamaisa, leading the country underground were Tamil Chamim, which is why the Messiah was passed on. And that's amazing, but they sometimes chose not to be involved because they felt it was going to be too chaotic and they're not going to be able to get things done anyway, or they were told not to be involved, like if you show up, we're going to eliminate you, which was what happened later on, and often happened in the time of Manasha and probably Achaz as well. So it's a pretty toxic situation. Because of Kosh Baruch is a promise to Klai Yisrael, they're always going to be here, and we're going to have enough Sadiqim to pass on the Messiah, is why... Despite all this, uh, Yeshio will become king and will succeed in an incredibly uh, uh, wonderful orphan, and uh, it won't continue, and we're still headed to the Horban, but it's going to be a, a very, very positive move in Klai Yisrael to, again, bring them up 
to ensure enough people make it to the Chorban and pass the Chorban. That's the theme we're going to see up and down as we go. This is going to be, this next parak, one of the last uh, uh, spikes in the graph, if I can call it. I hate to get anybody down. Um, but Sitkio is going to be a very, very big tzaddik, but a tzaddik who can't make much of a ration, which is why the Chorban happens in his time. Uh, Yoshio will actually change things in a very big way. He's not going to live long enough to make the change lasting. Uh, why, we'll yet discuss over the next couple of months. But imagine one year we covered a whole king. I'm not happy to report that, but it uh, only lasted two years. Uh, he was killed by whomever, and then the other group killed them. I think uh, it's not good for any country which is the toxic, uh, very toxic situation we have now, where for the first time it's so bitter, acrimonious, whatever synonym you want to choose, on both sides, that it's pushed dangerous. The assassinations we had, I don't know how many, Yaakov, how many on the list uh, since 1776? Baruch Hashem, not that many, too. Okay, so one of them, the most famous one, Abraham Lincoln, was political. But I don't know if he was the South, uh, what? There were four altogether, okay. So um, I, don't, I don't know, McKinley, who are the, uh, okay, were the other three political or just some not? We don't, we're still wondering what happened with Kennedy. So the people who love conspiracy theories can discuss it after this year. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but the Lincoln, Lincoln was, it was a very, that was, Worse than it is now, so it, it uh, it's not the worst it's ever been. Uh, the Civil War was a civil war. Uh, a, lot, a lot of people killed on both sides, Leoleno, and uh, it was as bad as it gets. And we'd like never to go anywhere near there. And he was killed. Was he a lone, uh, uh, a lone fighter for the cause, or was he sent by somebody? Who knows? He wasn't all there. None of these people are, and uh, we'll we'll never know. But. The fact that uh, the democracy, Baruch Hashem, for the, uh, for the good of the Yidden and the rest of the people living here, has been thriving and that it's pretty safe is something you really have to thank Akash Baruch Hu for and made them every day. And we have to daven, it should stay that way. Uh, which is uh, why uh, there used to be a minute to say, Atfilah for Shlema Medina. And uh, we spoke about on Shabbos uh, a couple of years back why we're not doing that. And we're not going to repeat that now for many reasons. But Lamaisa, uh, in your own private feelings, you should uh, be cognizant of the fact that it's a little worse now, or a lot worse now than it was even a few years ago and a few decades ago. It's not the worst it's ever been, but you don't want to even be discussing this even as a, a line somebody might say, and it's been said already, as you know. And that's why Pasuk Chavdalid is important, even though we don't know who did the first thing and who did the second thing. But you can't have people assassinating the king and it just goes unnoticed unless their banner was, no, we're killing him because he's an Abed of Azar and uh, Yoshio is going to be a big tzaddik. I'd love to be able to report that, but nobody really says that beferish. The conjecture is maybe that's why they killed him. So why did they assassinate them afterwards? Uh, because you can't kill the king without an official uh, decision from the people. Okay. It's more likely they had other agendas and that's not why it happened because they weren't sent by the Chachamim, and uh, Chachamim at this point, again, were not directly involved. 
Pasuk Chav Dalad. Vayach Amaretz again. It's called Akeishim Alamelch Amav Yemlicha Amaretz. Twice in the same pasuk. As Yeshio Benad Tachta Vayesed Divrei Amen Asherasa Laheim Ksuvim Al Sefer Divrei Yam Lamalchi Yehuda Vikbrasa Bikvrasa Began Uza Vayimloch Yeshio Benad Tachta. And now his son is the next king. He he was twenty two years old, so he knew. No, no, he's buried in the backyard from this that's garden. Not, that's not, yeah, 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 yeah. Whoever that was, another mysterious character. Uh, a lot of mysterious people over here, and the Navi is not a history book, which is why if it doesn't give us something that we need for our Musa Ashkafa or a point Lahalacha, then it doesn't include it, which again, why it doesn't mention the people, which gives us the signal that they weren't so L'Shem Shemayim, even though some of the group might have been happy to see him go, that he wasn't following him in Ashes Tshuva, which would be nice, but we don't have any proof to that. Yes? What? No. It was not what he was... Oh, who knows? Maybe. Uh, I don't know why they would have a garden. Yeah, and he stayed out there. He was a Baal Tshuva, by the way. He, he really did Tshuva and lived in a base forest. Maybe. It's interesting. Uh, they, it was considered a market distinction. If Menashe and Nitzad, he did Tshuva and he wanted to be buried in a nice place, that's a good person to follow. That's a possibility. <laughs> I don't know if... Um, he lived in a base forest, and when he was buried, I wonder, this is, sounds like it's near the king's house. I don't know, that's not prime real estate if it's, uh, <laughs> it's a big, described before as his, his backyard in Ganuza. It'd be funny, that would be next to the palace, but okay. Sounds like it was a very private burial plot. Yeah. Yeah, which would make sense because he was a son, his father was buried there. Remember the young prince, his claim to the throne was based on the fact that he's his father's son and it wasn't a burial place before but now it was for kings. So it makes sense that it was prepared. I don't think it's a remez that he had a premonition that he was going to be uh, not around too long. Whatever it was, uh, when we go back to our famous list, uh, Amman is on there but not much to say about him is unfortunately... He didn't uh, accomplish what he was supposed to do. Does it say explicitly, or it's not explicitly, does it say anywhere that, that he un, you know... That, the, that the undid the tshuva, yeah. V'yazev es Hashem alakei avaitzu v'lahola b'derech Hashem. That's pretty okay. preferish. So in other words, in other words we, we know Menashe reversed everything his father did. Then... Uh, nah, and then he tried to reverse what he himself did. We know Menashe did tshuva of some sorts, and we know Amun had no shaykhs to it. So Chizkiel reversed what his father did as best he could. Yeah. Right? And then the Menashe came in and reversed as much as he could what his, what his father did. No, but then he reversed that for 33 years. And, and then, then he reversed that to the best of his ability. Yeah, and then Amun had no shaykhs the whole program. Like he just appeared nowhere and he just went back, which is not, I'm not singling him out to be worse than any of the other ones that are coming. Some of them will be worse. Okay, so we know from Yoshio, though, that he removed Well, we don't know anything about him yet. We're going to start right now. Pasuk Aleph. We didn't, uh, you're, you're ahead of your time. Yeah, but, but, so we only know that in the 
Why, by Amon? It says he didn't do anything. It says he, he it says he left. But Yazav is Hashem al It sounds like he Yeah, but it could be he left and yeah, he didn't have time. It was only two years. How much that you know? We don't we don't know much because unfortunately the Navi feels there's not much to say. It doesn't say that, yes. And it also doesn't say that he got involved in the hachas dika shenanigans that Yoachim is going to be involved in later. Um, because as things... Okay, we'll, we'll, save, uh, we'll save our comments to Yoachim. We have nice things to say about the next thing. Let's first dwell on the positive, and then we'll, uh, we'll get there. Parachav Beis, Pasuk Aleph. Ben Shmana Shana Yeshio B'molchom. Shloishim V'acha Shana Mala B'Yushalayim. 31 years. That's very nice. 31 years? Sounds pretty stable. Just keep in mind, he was 8 years old now. So it's going to be 10 years before he becomes 18. 18 means nothing. The fact he's got to get married. He was married before. I'm just giving you a frame of reference. We, we think of an 18-year-old as a person that's okay. It's a habamina now to become a king. He was king from the age of 8. Did a fabulous job under the circumstances. But for the background, it's very important to realize not only is he eight years old, but he's being born into a family. His father was Amun. Amun was king for two years. Does he remember his grandfather Manasseh in Chuva mode? Probably not. He was six years old. So, doesn't remember a whole lot. We still don't know how far Manasseh got in his Chuva. He's no doubt surrounded by a cabinet. The best of circumstances, a mixed group of people. The best of circumstances. You had some holdovers from Amon, maybe some from Manasha, maybe some from Manasha at the beginning of his reign. Uh, we don't know who they are. One thing I will tell you, a Sefer he never saw inside, which is going to sound jarring to everybody sitting here. Sefer weren't uh, in abundant supply in general, and it's going to be pretty clear that I can't promise you we never saw a Sefer Torah, but when they find the Sefer Torah in the Mikdash and they bring it to him, it sounds like uh, from the Mepharshim's description is that it was a Chiddush Nifla that there was a Sefer Torah found. That certainly will be the case, and we'll discuss the background next week, why that is. And they sort of were hesitant to even bring it to him and read it to him. The reason being is because there were people there in the cabinet who probably weren't so good or so eager to continue Menashe's new program, let alone continue Chizkiyo's Hasmada program. And number two, they had a few kings in the past uh, three or four or five decades, well, Menashe was for 50 years, uh, six, seven decades, who were very antagonistic to anything to do with Frumkite learning, and they took Sifrei Torah, Rachmol Islam, burned them, and uh, did all sorts of terrible things, hid them, locked the door of the base Medrash. The king now is eight years old. The tzaddikim are watching. Remember I said they weren't actively involved because they don't know if they could do anything, but now they have a king who seems like a, a cut above in his neshama and seems to be somebody who might be molded, but they're not sure. So they're looking and looking and watching, but they're not actively yet being mechanachim and bringing svarim in and giving him over the home. He sort of has to figure out 
right and wrong by himself, which is the godless of Yoshio HaMelech, that he's going to do just that. But it's going to take him a while. And at eight years old, it's quite a daunting task. And he doesn't really have access because he's being tightly controlled and surrounded by the immediate cabinet. And the cabinet certainly is not made up of the all-star team of Tzadikim. It was, it was mixed at best, and we don't even know who they are. As he grows and matures and starts to learn, they will get actively involved at Sadiqim. But just as a Raila Dover, who are the two biggest Sadiqim that we know of that are around that had what to say about what Ratzon Hashem is under the circumstances? Give me pick two names. Yermia, who's now the Navi, who's going to be the Navi in charge of Klai Yisrael till the Chorban and through the Chorban. And the memories, unfortunately, is no longer with us, of Yeshaya. Yeshaya's uh, words ring in everybody's ears. He's no longer here. But he's with Klai Yisrael, and he gave very clear orders on what has to be done. So you have the Maserah of Yeshaya, you have Yermia, you have Chulda, Anavia, who's going to be called upon. You have leaders. And we start the reign. What about the He's going to be called upon also. We'll yet speak about him. But I'm trying to give you a timeline. He's a very tender eight years old. He will rule for 31 years. The Pasig will give him an incredibly glowing report and sock right away, which is unusual. He didn't, he's only eight years old. Because of his personality, his Shi'ifus, his Heilig and Neshama, it was clearly recognizable. This young man is very unusual. And he will go on to do very great things, even though he won't finish the job. And it's also pretty clear that he didn't have direct contact with Yermio Anavi for many, many years into his reign. So that sounds confusing to people. Here he's a Halig and a Shaman, he wants to do the right thing. He's being watched closely by the inner cabinet, and they're probably not really that interested in setting up meetings with Yemiyo Anavi. So he's sort of groping around in the dark, trying to figure things out. His godless is that he will, it's just going to take time. I just want that, that's a very important introduction over here. Let's just quickly read the Pesukim before we go to the Peleyates. Take a look at Pasuk Beis, Vayas, Vayas HaYashar Be'ene Hashem Ve'ele B'chol Dera David Aviv Losar Yom in a small. Isn't that refreshing? More than refreshing. We haven't had a description like that in a long time. Yashar Ben Hashem, V'yelech, B'chol Dera Dov Ovid. Sounds like he did everything right, V'lo Asar Yom in the Small. Didn't veer off the path one iota. So there must have been like a history book of some sort where he could learn what David did. Sure. And that part he probably started gleaning from. That's correct. He, he probably started asking, but that was his godless. He realized he's king, he's eight years old, he's surrounded by people, and it's confusing already, and he figured out there's something wrong with this picture. So he started seeking out himself. It's like uh, he's eight years old, and he was, Rabbi we'll see later, is going to talk about, uh, probably had a din of a goldo, but he's almost like asking for the tutor of his choosing trying to figure out which one really has the mystery of what a Melech Yehuda is really supposed to look like, because he didn't have any example. He vaguely remembered his grandfather, and that's a mixed bag also. His father is nothing to discuss, so yes. 
there was a Messiah, and I don't even think you need a say from it. There was a Messiah Baal Peh. This is what David Melch, the Heilig Tzaddik, looked like, and this is what Shlomo Melch looked like, and this is what Chizkiah, your grandfather, looked like. Great grandfather. There are enough Baruch Hashem. There are always enough Tzaddikim, even though they're sort of underground a little bit, because not sure what to do over here, they're not sure what direction he's going to take. They don't want to hand them a Sefer Terror, which he might get rid of like his great grandfather did. We don't know what Amon did, as you were asking before, in the two years he was king, but the track record was uh, very spotty. So they were nervous. So to hand over Sifri Kedish to him when there were so few around is dangerous. Otherwise we'd say, bring him in, sign him up to the best cheder, let's bring it all out. The answer is not everybody was interested and there was inner conflict. And here the Pasuk array, the beginning of his reign, almost all shame soifoy, not just all shame soifoy, his tchila was, he hit the ground running, but he was running in the direction he was trying to figure out, who did I run to? And Baruch Hashem, Kajbarch was in control and he will find the right people, but it's going to take time. Yirmiya was not standing by the door at the coronation. I wasn't there, I can't prove that, but it sounds like that to me because he's not mentioned anywhere. He didn't make the decision, he didn't disagree with the decision. It was a great decision in hindsight, but he wasn't standing there by the door. Let's go to the Peleyayats because we have to end on time because. We hope so. All these names, the mothers listed every single king. We have no clue who they were. I haven't even heard of any of the cities. Do you ever look at the cities and the names? There's always say that this village, that village, the other village, we haven't heard of any of them. And the district of Yehuda wasn't that large. So it wasn't like uh, her name was a Sprintzi from B'nai Brak. We, we never even heard of the name. The names don't sound familiar and the cities don't sound familiar. So we don't know. But yes, if she had the issue... He had a melech like this, we can be sure she was a big tzaddikist, but uh, we don't have any data. Right, in the case of Shlomo, he was only 12, but he had a mother Yeah, we knew her. Right. <laughs> we, knew, we knew her. That's the, uh, that's the exception. <laughs> okay, go to page Kuf Ayin Hay in the Peleyayats. We're discussing Vatronus. So the first half, which we discussed this week and last week, Shabbos and the week before, was about uh, trying to cultivate the Mida of generosity. And if you're born with it, Gavaldic, run with it. And if you're not, as we learned from what Esav didn't do, you can't say, I'm stuck, Hashem gave me this Mida, and there's no application. There's always a positive application to every Mida, and generosity is one of them. Generosity is easy to apply, as with every Mida, good or bad. The Mida can be used for good, and a good Mida can be used for bad. And now we have the example. This uh, is a bit more unusual. Generosity. Generosity for bad. We can use hatred for good. Hatred for Rishayim, as we spoke about yesterday. We can use Kanoz. We can use Kinnah for good. Where do you have the application of generosity for bad? Top line. Kuf Ayin Hay. Yesh Vatranashi Mida Ra Mida Grua. There's Vatranis, which is very bad, very low, and has to be worked on. Kigain. Mishu Vatran Bamaman Zulasai. Think about that. Guy's very generous with everybody else's money. The communists did that very well. Democrats, okay. <laughs> okay. Republicans are what? Are not much better. Well, they have to, they need votes also, right? So, uh, depends, it depends, depends who you're giving to, right? Uh, yeah, so this is um, almost surprising, I guess. Yak, if your comment is, is important because we, if you think about it for a moment, like, I've never done that. We've never done that. We hope. Well, have we? Uh, if we're in charge um, of any, a governor, a mayor, council person, uh, they're all busy giving out 
funds to interest groups who can generate the most votes. So sometimes that's okay. If it's their tax dollars and they deserve it, it's good for society, fine. Here on an individual level, it's very bad when you're a vatron with somebody else's money. And by the way, lest you think that this doesn't happen, it's the flip side of the same midah. Somebody who's very generous runs the risk of being very generous and being mecha with other people's funds. Somebody who's a constant will probably not spend somebody else's money either because it's a midah. They can't open their, they can't open their checkbook. They can't open their fist. So with that guy, you probably run the risk less that he's going to overspend on any particular project. The problem is he can't get into spend, and the project doesn't get done. So even without politics on a state or national level, you can have a CEO of a company, and they're trying to start the initiatives, and they're trying to do R&D, and they're screaming and yelling, and they can't get any funds. He can't open the purse for R&D. Companies have gone under with this. They can't spend money. So there's no R&D, there's no development, and there's no product. Of course there's no product, because you have to spend $100 million on every dud and then hope that one of them is going to work. So that means you have to be able to think big, which means you have to be generous, and then you have to be generous with somebody else's money, but that's your mandate. But the question is, if you're overly generous and the mandate is X and you're doing X plus 2 and the money's getting squandered, that's where you have a problem. That's why you're supposed to have oversight. And the guy gives you money, or gives you an open checkbook or a credit card, and he tells you, do me a favor, go shopping, and this is what I need. And he's very generous, more generous than the Mishaleach. So the Shaliach has to know, what does the Mishaleach want? Interesting Lushan. He says, you got to know that uh, there is a shear, and if you think it's Dvarm Shem Lem Shear, you have a problem. You got to really figure out what does he want. Normally he gives you a cap, but if he doesn't, then he just trusts you and said, you're in charge. You're any purchasing agent uh, for a company. That's his job. He's got to know, he's, hopefully he's given parameters. He's got to know what to spend and how much to spend. I know somebody who was in a rush to get back from London to New York for, a, um, for his next meeting. And they missed the first plane. And uh, they wanted to get back, so they hopped on a Concorde. Anybody here remember the Concorde? Your ears are probably still ringing, if you do. That's why it doesn't fly anymore, among other reasons. And um, hopped on a Concorde. He got back to the office, rightfully so, and there were fireworks. The Concorde, I don't remember the exact pricing because I never took one, but it was 10 times, 10 times the ticket. What? Started 10 times the price. So they told him, they said, we love you. You're very valuable. If you would have gotten back to the office three hours later, we wouldn't have missed you that much. He decided he's spending company money. Why not fly the Concorde? Very study. And, you know, uh, why, not, why not fly? You know, the food is probably good also when you're paying 10 times the amount. And he decided, why not save, um, I guess it was a five-hour trip regularly, and this made it a two-and-a-half-hour trip. They told him, he got back to the office two-and-a-half hours early. They weren't too happy. But he was a very generous type guy. I know who it was. Very generous. He was generous with his own money, Baruch Hashem, and he was generous with the company money also. So uh, that's a great example, and they told him in no uncertain terms that we have a manual of what you could spend on tickets, and maybe look in the manual next time. That positive note, we're going to dive in chakras.